Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Welcome to this week's episode of People First. And my guest this week is Jim Collison, who is the Clifton Strengths Community Manager for Gallup and hosts their podcast too. So if you're sitting there going, huh? Then stand by because you're going to learn a whole lot from our conversation. Jim, welcome to People First. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I am so excited for our conversation because if nothing else, Gallup is all about relationships at work. And we talk about it in our new book, You, Me, We, why we all need a friend at work and how to show up as one. But I am particularly curious to learn more about you and the work at Clifton Strengths. However, before we dive in, my opening question is always the same. When you were a wee lad, when the teacher asked you, hey, Jim, what do you want to be when you grow up? What was your answer? Well, besides the quintessential astronaut, I think every American student wanted to be an astronaut in my days. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I thought I'd be a professional athlete at some point. I, I, but I played uh, played some Little League baseball. My nickname was Square Wheels. That didn't, uh, that didn't bode too well for any professional athletics going forward. I was a little slow. And so they, uh, I ended up not doing it, but yeah, I didn't, not a lot of, it's, it's, it's interesting that you asked that question because I didn't have a lot of thoughts of what it would be like. I just kept one step after another, let's just get through these kinds of things. And, and, uh, and it led to a, a 30 year career. Well, there you go. So you talked about little league and thinking you're going to be an athlete. So what were the topics and, and the subjects that you enjoyed at school, whether that is athletics or whether it was bookish learning yeah no i was never a very good student i mean i was an average student i did okay i did enough to pass i was just average as a student um got involved in some early on in high school got involved in some advanced placement uh, classes and i just i just got destroyed <laughs> in those classes and so it, it taught me early on okay you're not going to necessarily be an academic in that yeah i played some i played some sports and um and i wasn't i mean i even in high school i i was just average Right, average at it. What I saw or what what I was good at then and that I'm seeing now was all of the I have all these influencing and kind of these influencing talents where I liked I love people and I love to be around them. And I was it I, I was friends with every single group in high school. I was friends no matter where I went, I had these these crowds that I would be a part of and really wasn't until later in my career and I started putting some pieces together and really the internet came along and I could start doing some things where I could use these influencing talents to talk online and to create content, create communities and gather people together. Now, looking back at high school, that all makes sense. You're like, oh, I, you know, I kind of wish I had known that then. I may have made some different decisions. I may not have, but that's kind of the way those kind of pieces came together. It took me, you know, it took me till my forties to figure it out. I'm a little slow at times. Connect the, connect the dots. <laughs> yeah. But you talked there about the, the people and being part of the different groups at school. How have relationships translated and impact you and your career success? Well, everything I do now, I drive through that, that through people like of, of moving groups of people or moving organizations or helping people be a better version of themselves. And so whether that be, you know, recording podcasts that we do, because I know I can record it once and it can be listened to many times, right? 
<laughs> or whether that is helping individuals in our community one at a time, like we lose their email address or they change jobs and their email address starts bouncing. I just was spending the morning doing some of that work. We're going through a big data migration right now. And so I'm helping the organization and our customers understand that process. Those things never go easy. And, and I know that. So I can be in the middle of that, just kind of helping people, right? Never, it's not gonna, just doing that's not gonna make it necessarily easier, but it will make it better for both our folks internally and externally to make that work. So I like to be in the middle of all those things. I don't necessarily like to be responsible or doing them, but I do like to be in the middle of the communication that has to happen on a day-to-day -day basis. But I mean, I love just even what you shared there in terms of when emails bounce, the what I'm hearing is you go the extra mile to hunt us down in our new abode so that we can remain connected to the community. And that, even in of itself, is a step further than many people choose to take. So what's one piece of advice you have for folks who may not be um, curating an email list of followers, but for staying in contact with those relationships that may be important to them in their own career success? Yeah, and there may be kind of based on your own talents, you're going to approach this kind of in a different way because um, it works for me. I have this talent of a ranger that we have in the Clifton Strengths world that allows me to have lots of plates spinning all at the same time. Or for folks who may not understand that analogy, uh, I, I like to have a lot of activities happening all at the same time, right? And so that talent allows me to have conversations going on with podcasts or, or on YouTube or through chat rooms or through the various Slack groups or Discord groups or Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups or right, Twitter. I manage all those conversations all at the same time. But at the, at the same time, uh, to be able to have the individual conversations that have to happen as well, whether it be email addresses or whatever, helping people do that. My advice to people then in that situation is, I, I mean, I do those things because I like doing them and I'm pretty good at it. And it's things other people don't want to do, just to be honest. Like mm -hmm. it was an area when I came in and we started doing the strengths community thing and there was a huge gap where this work needed to be done. Nobody wanted to do it. I was built to do it. So I just said, hey, can, can, I, can I do this? <laughs> And they started saying yes, right? And so it was, a, it was a matter of, some people call that job crafting. I just call it being available, right? Mm -hmm. It's not always about ability, but sometimes it's about availability. And so even though, like, even though I'm kind of uniquely built that way, I was also available to do the work. And so I guess my advice there is don't underestimate the power of doing things nobody else wants to do. Okay, so you mentioned there the Clifton Strengths Finders, and for those listening to the podcast, some are going to be familiar with this because literally millions have done it, are completed every year, and some are going, "Huh, what's this?" So, give us the the summary of the Clifton Strengths Finder and what makes it special. Yeah, so about thirty million. We're we're coming up on that number. About thirty million people have taken that. It's a it's an assessment. It takes you about thirty minutes. Asks you a bunch of questions about you. You don't study for it. You've been studying your whole life to do it. it gives us, uh, it asks all these questions that help us identify some talents. And then we roll those talents up into talent themes. We call those themes things like learner or input or intellection or strategic. They have some kind of definitions of what those things mean. The more important part of that isn't that, that you are defined by the definition, but it's how you 
how the life you live defines those themes themselves. And so we have a lot of materials around that. We have 14,000 certified coaches around the world who really help individuals go on a discovery, right? Discover who they are and what they do best. We know from our data that, you know, you're more productive and you're happier and your well-being's better when you're working in areas of your strengths, when you get an opportunity to do what you do best every day, right? So because we know that, if we can help people go on a journey where they get the opportunity to, to really deploy those talents into roles where their job is doing those things they do best, we just know it works better. So that's kind of in a nutshell, you get this top five, or you can get all 34 of these themes. There's 34 of them. You get 34, big giant ecosystem around it. Uh, Gallup.com if you're interested in checking it out if you haven't done it yet. Please do. I encourage you to. It's very accessible. So you mentioned there that there are 34 of these themes. So do our top five change through our lives? Yeah, it's a good question. It, in theory, yes and no, in some regards. Mm -hmm. Like we don't, uh, individuals generally on average don't change very much. We're born, we, we you know, between, between zero and 25, we develop, we kind of stop, our brains kind of stop developing after that point. It's different for everybody. And then in our adult, in our kind of an adult life, we kind of stay the same. However, we learn and grow in our understanding of who we are. Uh, it changes as we get, as we, I think, as we get older. And so some things, you know, I just mentioned this here in the intro, you know, I'm seeing some things in my 40s and 50s. As I look back to my teens and 20s, I kind of go, oh, that was that coming out in me. Now, could I have said that when I was 20? No. So if I'd taken the Clifton Strengths Assessment when I was 20, I might have said, I might have thought of myself in a different way. And then if I took it again at 40, chances are I may get a different set of answers in that because my understanding is fundamentally different, right? So it can look that way. Again, it looked look different from 20 to 40. But I, the themes themselves, the ideas that I have about who I am, I see myself, and there's a lot of things, the talents I see myself using today, I saw in my 20s. Just didn't quite know how to work with them yet. I didn't quite know how to identify them. Didn't quite, I didn't have a strength-based, um, uh, kind of a strength-based philosophy. In fact, when I went into the military right after high school, I spent some time in the, the U.S. Army. I took a job. They said, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know. And they, they have a test that you take called the ASFAB. And I scored the lowest on mechanical, you know, doing, you know, turning wrenches. I said, well, I'm not very good at that. Maybe I could learn how to do it in the military. What I should have done, that was a wrong decision, by the way. I was a terrible mechanic and I hated it. Uh, what I should have done is I scored highest in technology and I should have taken a technology job. That's what I should have done on that. So, you know, just uh, uh, for for me, that's just kind of that strength-based philosophy. And does it, do I change? My understanding of myself changes. And we do know there are certain circumstances when those things can change, traumatic experiences that we might have, right? Um, both physical and emotional, those things may happen. Large growth or even coaching may change or bias those answers a little bit because they, they, they'll give me new words to think about myself under. So there may be some situations where our personality changes. And then, of course, if that influences the way we see ourselves, well, it would influence the way we answer the questions. So can it change? Generally, no. Now, here's what's great about that. If you do take it twice over the course of some time, 
gives you two different answers. It's a great conversation to have. Like, what changed and why? How did I? How do I see myself differently now than I did then? So even that's not a wasted opportunity. You can spend some time understanding yourself, looking at the delta or the difference between the two. So it's interesting because you very kindly um, share your top five on your LinkedIn profile, and it says here that you are an arranger. It says woo maximizer, communication, and activator. And some of those I can hear in how you've described your role, the fact that you lent into that job-shaping opportunity. But what the heck is woo? <laughs> so, yeah, it's short for winning over others. It's a sales oh. talent, right? It is it is the heart of influence, right? And mm -hmm. we, we've gotten like the, the you know, you, the YouTube internet culture has changed that word of and now we use influencer as like a job title. I love it. Um, woo is in the influencing domain. We can roll up all these themes into four different domains. But it's a sales strength. I, I want to convince people to do things. I want to win them over to where I want to take them, whether it's my idea or a corporate idea or whatever. Well, I mean, think about what we're doing right here, right? I'm trying to win people. I'm trying to say things to convince them that they should believe me. Well, that's, I think that's the heart of woo. So I'm curious at the other end of the scale of the 34 um, opportunities there are or descriptors, where do you score the lowest? Does that imply you're weak at them or it just doesn't appeal to you? But what are your bottom areas? Listen, strengths and weaknesses can be, can be, can appear in all 34 in any order. A ranger can be a weakness if it's getting in the way of my productivity, right? Which is my number one. Um, uh, the lower ones, it just means I'm not as good at them. So I don't, I can't like lean into them. Let me give you a great example. So my 34 is focus. <laughs> so focus, discipline, consistency, those all are in these, what's ironic that the, the, all five of my bottom 34 are in, are in, um, um, executing the executing domain. We're a ranger, it's in the executing domain, it's number one. So I, if I'm gonna get things done, I gotta get them done through the arranger theme, the things that have, get lots of stuff going at the same time. Now I've learned to rely on partners because I, I can't get anything else done unless I have partners. That's again, maybe why I do better in groups. So yeah, I absolutely focus and discipline at the very bottom. I don't do the same thing twice ever. I don't, I'm not good at staying on task. So I have to create, little games and tricks and rewards for myself. You know, hey, Jim, if you do this for another half an hour, you can go eat some ice cream. I'm a foodie. So that food works all the time, right? Um, so yeah, th those are at the bottom for me. I, I struggle with them. It, it also means I just need to be careful that with them, they could turn into a weakness pretty quick. They can get in the way of productivity pretty quick. So I need to put some safeguards in place to make sure it doesn't happen. So in our work at SkyTeam, we're often using different profiles and tools to help spark the conversation. Because often what I find is it, it helps to understand, well, why does Morag react one way? Why does Jim react the other? But of course, as soon as we present a tool, invariably I get asked, but what's the right answer? What's the best mix? What should my top five be? So how do you respond to that with Clifton Strength? Yeah, it's a good question. We we get this is a it's a it's a dangerous zone, especially in leadership, where people are like, oh, I wonder what the top five of and fill in a name, Winston Churchill, right? Or 
or you know President Ronald Reagan, right? What was his top five or some of those kinds of things? Well, the, I can I know this. They're not yours, <laughs> and so um, you're going to lead with, and you're going to you're going to be productive with the top five themes that you have, and the best set are the ones that you have. Because guess what? You can't you can't necessarily change them, right? You can do some things to take advantage of them, but you can't change them. So when people come, when people say that, I always say, you know, the best themes to have are the ones you have right now, because there's actually something you can do about it, right? There's something you can do to improve those or something you can do to make a difference with them, a better understanding of yourself. And not only just you, but those around you, right? You, when the, the power of this grows exponentially when you know the top five or you know the themes of those that you're working with. And then you can kind of get some synergy in between those two. Hey, I'm not good. You know, I, I mentioned this before. I am not good at any of the discipline or, or focus stuff. So I try to find people, if I'm going to work on projects, I try to find and cling to people who have those talents because sometimes they need people to talk for them or they need people to go out and influence other people to get things done. They've got the plan. They just maybe aren't as good at strategically influencing. I'll do that if you help me with all the planning and keep track of stuff and write stuff down, some of those kinds of things. So um, for, for me, that's kind of how I'd answer that is, is, is in that So way. on that note, how do you coach others to their strengths? Uh, keep keep going on that question. In, in what well, way? I'm thinking about the that ripple effect. You've got insight into your own, what you do well and naturally gravitate to, and those areas of your responsibilities that you may not. But you also have people who work alongside or with you that you are mentoring and coaching for their own success. So how how does one use Clifton's strengths as a tool to help others learn and grow? Yeah, it's it's really I think most of it is in the discussion. You know, I, I do these podcasts. We have a philosophy called name it, claim it, and name it, right? Name the theme, what it is, own it for what it is. Uh, claim it for yourself. Yes, this is me, and this is how it plays out in me, and then aim it. How can I use it for my success? So sometimes in the podcast stuff I make, we say, we jokingly say, it's name it, name it, name it. We never get off the naming aspect of it. Oh, yeah, I have these themes, and this is what they mean but they don't have any power unless you actually use them, right? In the context of teams or with people, I, it, it, it's as simple as having a conversation either in success or in conflict of taking a moment and saying, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? Like, what, what are we having? Why are we having success? Or what, why is there conflict in this situation? And then come back to the talent themes and kind of say, Maybe we've got some themes that are competing here, right? We have we had we do have a thing called competition, so we'll we'll say a small c competing in this. Maybe we have some things competing, or maybe we've got some themes where our motives or our values are are conflicting. Like in, in a in a in a easy situation to say, maybe somebody with high deliberative wants to think about it, and maybe with somebody with high activator wants to get moving. That can be a seeming competition of values. At that point, and so having that conversation then um, allows us to say to to give a name to it. it. Says, "Oh no, no, no! Oh, I understand. What you really need in this is time to deliberate." This is what I would be saying to somebody else because I have high activator. I see. I'm seeing you for who you are, and you need time to deliberate on this. I, I, I think your book probably talks to this. We say this all the time. Going from me to we 
the the right the 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 um the maturity model in this is when I stop thinking about myself and I start thinking about others, and I start saying it's not only just what I need, but what do others need, and how do I take my activator and use it for someone else for the we in this. How do how will others benefit from my activator? And yet, how can I understand somebody else's deliberative? So I slow down long enough to let them be great. When I understand that, when I think about that, that goes from me to we, right? That's that's the conversation that happens. I love that. You're speaking my language. I get goosebumps every time I hear that because in you, me, we, that is the exact um, argument we're presenting, which is we need to move from a me first or a solely me first mindset to a we first, because then you can increase the size of the pie, help others to be successful. And you don't lose sight of me first. You still have to have guardrails, boundaries. But if you haven't considered what those are, how do you communicate those? How do you hold yourself and others accountable for meeting our needs where we're at? Well, the, and the me is valuable because if we don't, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we break down. We don't get the, the, we have our own motivations that we need to fulfill in that, right? There's things we need to do to feel good about ourselves and to get things done. So you can't, I think sometimes people think, well, if we just eliminated the me, no, you still need to have motivations. You still need to have goals to shoot for, but that next level, right? T taking it up a level in the video game of life. Going to the next level is then including others around you and saying, hey, how can we be more productive together? And the, the Clifton Strengths gives us some clues to that, right? It speeds up what we say. It's an accelerant for team formations. So it allows us to have those conversations faster than we would if we didn't have that. We, we reduce some of the school of hard knocks. And I love that analogy of the video playing, uh, the video game of life. So player one. Jim Collison. I'm also curious, given the impact of the pandemic and the work from home and now the hybrid situation, what is the data showing you and the team at Gallup? To what extent has that had an impact both on Clifton Strengths, but also the health of our relationships at work? Yeah, uh, the easy one to answer, and that is the Clifton Strengths community. It, it, we took a step back for a couple months and then it took off again. So we, we're still seeing a need and a desire for folks to understand who they are and learn that system. Um, we're coming out of the pandemic and I mean, it's moving quickly. We're, we, we have a lot of people still very interested and active in this. What we did see uh, in some of the data is we, we came back on our employee engagement numbers. So we had been in the 30s for about 10 years, 30% engaged uh, global, uh, no, is that a global number? 30%, I think that's a US number. Um, and then uh, we'd gone all the way up to 35 in the pandemic, actually we rallied and went up a little bit more early in the pandemic, because that's what humans do, right? Humans are really good when there's a crisis of pulling together, right? That's what makes us great, uh, I, I think as a species, is we're good at rallying together for that. Then we lose focus <laughs> and, the, the second half of the pandemic was a gigantic disaster and in, in, in a lot of people losing focus. It caused the great resignation in a lot of ways. Everybody was moving around. We saw it in our coaches. I, I mean, I handle a lot of emails through our coaching community. A full third of our database was changing every year, changing their email address every day, right? Or every year. So you get this, well, there's, this there's this churn, right? That, that, that's happening um, uh, through the pandemic. So what we're seeing out on the backside, those numbers now are back into the low 30s for engagement. 
So what, what we're seeing, and then of course, there's been a lot of talk of hybrid work, right? And what does it mean to be hybrid in, in a workspace? And how does that work? We've spent a lot of time trying to figure out strengths and strengths tools for hybrid. It, was it wasn't really there before the pandemic. It's forced us to create some new tools for that. Um, and then we're really doing some work on this idea of kind of two different work styles. The, the, you know, the, a person who, in, who is a splitter, they split their time between when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I'm off, not at work, I am off, right? And then there's blenders. I'm more of a blender. Those who are working all the time, but they're playing all the time and they blend it all up, right? They may not have a normal work schedule. They may work the weekends. They may choose to work some evenings. They, you know, they, they may take different holidays or, or, or vacation time, not in normal intervals, right? Because they want to blend it all together. In the U.S., that number is 50-50, which is, I mean, we have another 50-50 number, which is crazy, right? But in the U.S., 50-50 in our, in our current numbers. I'm encouraged because I think we were moving a direction to, to say there's only blenders. Like the whole splitting idea was, is old-fashioned. And I, and I don't think that's true. I think we need both like we, the the numbers show today, we do have both, especially when we think about the U.S. numbers. And I'm encouraged by that because not everybody's designed to do the blending. <laughs> Some people need boundaries, right? And they're more they're they're way more productive in that setting. So, I think for me, what I'm seeing that that realization that and that there's some numbers behind that. I think it's encouraging that we start having that conversation. Managers having this conversation with their employees and say not only hybrid versus versus coming to work or whatever that means, but are you a blender or a splitter? And how do we optimize your role then? That's another dimension to optimize. I love the, the conversation. And I think if there's one silver lining to the last few years is it's accelerated some of these conversations versus the legacy attitude to careers and work that's so rooted in the industrial revolution and the idea that you go to work or there is work-life balance, i.e. that it's binary, when the reality is we all have one life of which work is part of it, I think that's going to be powerful. It'll be interesting to see what comes from Gallup and all the other research that's going on at this moment. So, Jim, as we come to the end of our time together, um, I've been putting up the tickers so that people can learn more about where to go to find Clifton Strengths. But how else can they learn more both about the tool and the resources that are available and the work that you do? Yeah, gallup.com slash CliftonStrengths, which is what's scrolling here right now, is really our landing page for everything CliftonStrengths. Uh, in, the, in the about section, if you drop that down, there's a history of CliftonStrengths. There's a science of CliftonStrengths. Um, there's a bunch of resources that are public facing that you can you can really get a lot of information. You can We've got a domains page and a theme page which explain them. So before you even take it, you can kind of go out and read about them. We've got videos. If you get really into this, then you would come into the realm of what I do. So we have podcasts and webcasts, which just means we put it on YouTube. And we, we've got uh, all kinds of things you can do and consume all in the way you want to. If you want to read it, we got stuff for you. If you want to read transcripts, we've got those for you. If you want to Listen to just the audio. We got it for you. If you want to watch us talking head like this on video, we've got it for you. We've got coaching conversations. We have success stories. We've got theme testimonies. We've got, we talk a lot about the themes themselves. 
Um, we've had a lot. We have a lot out there. Some people have said too much, but I never wanted to be told <laughs> there was never enough. When I started this job, people said, oh, can you get more? So my job is to overwhelm people with information. And uh, we have a ton of stuff that's out there for them as well. Galp.com slash Clifton Strengths. Okay. Well, Jim, I appreciate your time and insights today. It hasn't been overwhelming. It's been an insightful tease maybe to just what is the available to leaders at all levels in your career. So check it out. Clifton Strengths at gallop.com forward slash Clifton Strengths. Obviously hunt us down on LinkedIn. Please do connect with us to keep the conversation going. And I look forward to our future conversations, Jim. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun to be with you today. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.